Well, thank you for that. Uh, that is a very blessed moment for us um, today to experience the love and the appreciation, the amazing words from Rob and Shannon. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I was a youth pastor in Norwood, and that's when Shannon was invited by one of our youth members to the church. And she came there, she found Christ there, and she became just an awesome woman of God and married a wonderful man of God. And we're so glad that, uh, you know, the church is just existing uh, in, in so many ways to empower people to find the Lord and live a truly full life. Now they have two beautiful children, and they uh, serve here at the church. We thank God for them. And then people like Rob and Angie who came already married. We didn't marry them, but um, they're a blessing too. But I want to say this. I say that to say all this. It, this church is not about me, and this church is not about Cheryl. This church is about the Holy Spirit working through people's lives. And that through the Holy Spirit, lives are changed and, 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 and families are put together and built up. And, uh, and, and that, that's just such a blessing to be a part of that. And I say this all the time, but I am doing what I love to do. This is not work for me. This is pleasure. And if you can find a job like that, man, you've really arrived. And that's really the biggest blessing to me, that I get to do what I love to do, and I do it for a living. And then I get to do it with a woman that is so wonderful and special to my life. She's provided me with two beautiful children and has decided to provide me with a third. And, and so we got another little boy on the way. I'm not, one of those, I'm not one of those preachers that's going to make their kids be preachers. I'm not. I'm, I'm praying that he's like a nuclear physicist so that he can make me retire early. Amen. Or a baseball player or something like that. But I thank God for my wife and my children, my family. I'm truly blessed and blessed to be in this church. And you all make this church very easy to pastor. You really do. And I thank you. So give yourselves a hand. Amen. All right. We're going to talk about He. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit one more time on Sunday morning. And then I'm inviting you to a special Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're going to really talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you want to receive that this Wednesday night, come out 7 p.m. But we're going to continue or conclude our series here on He, the Holy Spirit, on Sunday mornings. Um, and we're going to talk about this. He satisfies. He satisfies. That no matter what, uh, no matter what you're aiming for in life, no matter what you think is going to be the ultimate, no matter what you're looking for to just fill you up and be all that you can be and imagine in life, I want to tell you, I want to be sure that you leave here knowing that nothing, absolutely nothing in this world satisfies like God the Father, God the Son, and especially God the Holy Spirit. Nothing satisfies like God the Holy Spirit. He alone satisfies, because we live in a culture. We live in a culture that that's looking for satisfaction, looking for something to give them that, that need, that inner desire to be satisfied. If you have a Bible this morning, I want you to go with me to John chapter 4, and I pray that you bring your Bibles. We're not putting all the verses up on the screens anymore because we want to encourage you to bring your Bible. John chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth chapter beginning at verse 4. While you're going to that chapter, I want to say a welcome to everybody watching by video in Easton. We love you, Easton. We're glad to welcome you into this service. Everybody in North Atterboro, let's give them a big hand and welcome them in as well. All right, John chapter 4. In 1965, rock and roll history was made. 
A band from the UK came to America with a song that would rocket the charts and reach number one in record time. It was a song that would make them who we know them to be today. That band was called the Rolling Stones, and I think you know the name of the song I'm talking about, seeing as it's behind me on the screen. That song was called Satisfaction. It was a song that heralded the spirit of the times. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine, interestingly enough, made Satisfaction, or named Satisfaction, the number two rock and roll song of all time, of all time. Mick Jagger was quoted about this song. He, he said the following words. He said, it was the song that made the Rolling Stones the Rolling Stones, changing us from just another band into a huge monster band. It has a very catchy title. It has a very catchy guitar riff. It has a great guitar sound. And he said this, and it captures the spirit of the times. And I want to say, well said, theologian Mick Jagger. Well said. Because nothing captures that spirit in America. Nothing captures that spirit in Western civilization more than the words, I can't get no. I can't get no satisfaction. And, and, and say it with me. Though I, and I, and I, and I, I can't get no. <laughs> sound pretty good. I'm a bit scared you're saying that louder than your worship this morning, but we'll let that slide on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. <laughs> that definitely just kind of wraps up our spirit, our, our attitude in America, our attitude in Western civilization. Today we're going to look at a woman who couldn't get no satisfaction, and she came to a well in John chapter 4 and had a life-changing experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 4, verse 4. Um, let me get there here, too. Here's what it says. Uh, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. I want you to notice, sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How is it that you are asking me for a drink? And you'll notice parenthetically that John puts in parentheses there, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That was true. And Jesus called her and answered her and said, If you knew, listen, if you knew the gift of God, if you understood that, and if you understood who I am, who's asking you for a drink, you would have asked me. You would have asked me, and I would have given you, the words are, living water. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did all his flocks and as did all his herds? And here's the verse that I want you to focus in on this morning, verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. I want you to say those two words with me, thirsty again. And then he says this, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst 
I want you to say those two words, never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I can't get no satisfaction. I want to give you three reasons why we can't get no satisfaction. The first reason is this. We don't know Jesus and we don't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit. We don't know Jesus and we don't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this woman came to the well at, 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 at the sixth hour. And John makes sure that we understand when she came. Because to come at the, at the, at the sixth hour was very strange for, for a woman to draw water. You see, the sixth hour in Jewish times in the first century was 12 noon. It was high noon because Jews believed that the day started at 6 a.m. That was zero hour. And so six hours later is 12 noon. And so this woman comes to the well to draw water like all women did in those days to draw water for her household, water to wash with, water to bathe with, water to feed their children with, water to mix tea with, whatever else. And still to this day in third world countries, women go to the well and they draw water, but they don't do it at 12 noon. Why? Because at 12 noon, the sun is at its peak. At 12 noon, the day is half over. At 12 noon, you're hot, you're sweaty, and in the Palestinian sun, that's the worst time of the day to go draw six or seven gallons of water and haul them back to your home and haul them back to your village. This woman is coming to the well at a time that normally women didn't come. In those days, and still to this day in third world countries, women go to the well to draw water the first thing in the morning. Why? Because it's not hot. Because it's easier to carry the water then. And you need the water for life. Water sustains us. Water makes life go around in very many ways. And so this woman is coming at a time when all the other ladies would have long cleared away from the well. And she's doing that intentionally. Because long before we had water coolers, we had water wells where everybody who would gather around that water well in the morning and they would come together, all of them ladies, because men didn't do this, they were doing something else, and they would come to the well and they would draw their water for the day. And don't you know, when ladies get together, there's a lot of chip, 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 I love you, ladies. I love you. But you can talk. You can talk. <laughs> and they would talk about the other person and they would talk about oh Susie's pregnant and and Jeanette had her third and and did you hear about uh, Lacey and did you hear about Tracy did you watch Desperate Housewives last night did you I mean all these conversations would occur around the water well this woman doesn't want to be a part of that and we're going to find out why in just a minute and she's at the water well and the Bible says that Jesus says to her will you give me a drink and she's shocked by this. She doesn't understand this interaction. And she says this. She says, hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And again, John says, this didn't, this didn't happen. And he's true. It's absolutely true. Who were Samaritans? Samaritans were half-breed Jews who had married the Assyrians, the, the nation that conquered Israel 500 years earlier. They had intermarried with the Assyrians. They created this half-breed of Jewish people. And they uh, established their own form of worship, their own place of worship on Mount Gerizim. They built a temple. All the regular Jews, they believed that the temple was in Jerusalem. That's where you worship God. And so there was, a lot of, there was a lot of conflict. One, because they had different places of worship. And all the Samaritans believed that you didn't truly worship the same God unless you worshiped at Mount Gerizim. 
And all the true Jews believed that you didn't truly worship God unless you worship God in the temple in Jerusalem. And so they would fight about that. You're not truly saved. You're not truly saved because you don't worship where we worship. My, oh, my, oh, my, how times have changed. The second reason why there was a lot of hostility was the Samaritans had their own Bible. They, only, they believed that only the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they were the Bible, and that was it. They rejected everything after those books. And the Jews believed all the books after that were part of the Bible, incidentally, about David and about the temple being in Jerusalem. And so there was a lot of conflict. They, they read separate Bibles and, and they discounted each other's faith and they were very hostile toward each other. And so this woman is shocked that Jesus would take the time to talk to her, a Samaritan, not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman at a well that, sh that, that really, you know, Jesus doesn't belong there because that's Samaria. And he engages her. And this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is always engaging those who feel the furthest away from him. That church is not for people who have their act together. That the church of Jesus Christ, if we're going to follow what our Savior did, is for those who feel the most disconnected from God, who feel the most unworthy, who feel like they don't belong there, because Jesus said it himself, I've not come for the healthy, I've come for the sick, I've come from the, for the down, I've come for the out, I've come for those who don't add up in their life. If you're here this morning and that's you, I got great news, Jesus wants to engage you. And so this woman's shocked, and he says, listen, listen, if you knew, and if you have the New Living Translation, it reads like this, if you only knew the gift of God, and if you have your Bible, circle the word and there, and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would have asked me, you would have asked him, and I would have given you living water. And so Jesus says to her, you don't understand two things. You don't understand who I am. The reason why we can't get no satisfaction. We don't know Jesus. And then he says, and the gift of God. And the gift of God is the Holy Spirit living in you. If you knew about that, if you understood that, if you could picture it in your mind, it is that good. And then he says, if you knew that, you would have asked me. And the word in the Greek for asked, since Rob talked about how I'm into the Greek, let me tell you about the Greek here. Um, the word for the Greek asked there could be better translated demand. If you knew how good this was, if you knew how, how full you'd be with the Holy Spirit in your life, you, you would have dropped everything and you would have saw me and you would have demanded that I give you the gift that God wants to give you. And then, and then and she's, she's a little perplexed and she says, sir, Sir, she says, you, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. You can't draw water. What are you talking about? Are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than he? He gave us this well. He made us this well. He, he drank from this well. He's great. Got a great history here to this well. Notice how she perceives Jesus in the natural. Jesus, she, she's, she's seeing Jesus in the natural. And I want to say this. There are many people who come to church day in and day out, week in, week out, and they have met Jesus, but they have yet to know Jesus. 
They've heard of Jesus. The priest has talked about Jesus. The pastor has mentioned Jesus. Their grandmom told them about Jesus. Uh, they've heard about Jesus. Their foreman swore using the name Jesus. And they've known of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Is that you? Are, are, are you familiar, but you don't have a living, breathing relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that is what he offers you. Right where you are, as you are, come and see Jesus and know Jesus for yourself personally. And the second thing he says is you don't know the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of people here. Let me be honest with you, Waters Church. There's a lot of people in this church. You're all set with the Holy Spirit. You're like, thank you for Jesus, Holy Spirit. I'm all set. And this is how I know because when I tested you last week, I said, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, come. If you don't go, most of you went. And I want to say something to you. There is nothing to fear about the Holy Spirit. Nothing to be scared of. He is not going to make you weird. He's going to make you effective and powerful for the kingdom of God. And he's going to satisfy your life. And I want to say something. Here's the reason why many of you went. You couldn't, get home, you couldn't wait to get home and watch the Patriots game. How'd that work out for you? I'm just saying. See, with the Holy Spirit, you always win. Amen. And he says, look, at, lady, listen to me. If you only knew what I could give you. You'd demand this. You wouldn't leave early. You'd hunger. You'd thirst. You'd passionately pursue the fullness of the gift of God because it's going to revolutionize your life, change you, and make you effective for the purposes of God in your world. We need the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, anyone who drinks this, this is how good it is, anyone who drinks this is never going to be thirsty again. You drink from this water here in this well, ma'am, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you drink the water I give you, You'll never thirst. Now she's interested. Now her curiosity is piqued. She says, hey, give me this water. Give me this water. I'll, I'll take that. She's, verse 15, um, so that I don't have to keep coming back to this well. Well, I don't, I don't even like to come here about uh, Jesus. I have to come here at 12 noon because all the ladies talk about me. I have to come here at 12 noon because I don't fit in. So if you can find a way for me not to have to come back here in shame every day, then I will take it. And Jesus says something to her that, that must have shocked her and totally changes the subject. And he says, go and call your husband. Verse 16. If you have a Bible, open, look at verse 17. I don't have a husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you are right when you say you don't have a husband. Now he's going to open the door of her heart. And he says, the truth is this. You've had five husbands. And now... You aren't even married to the man that you're living with. What you said is quite true. What's going on? Jesus is opening her heart. Jesus is revealing the reality of what's going on in her life. There have been five husbands. There have been five divorces. And she's given up on the idea so much of marriage making her happy that she's just decided to shack up with the sixth guy. And she's not even going to give her heart to him. This woman has a past and we're finding out that the water that Jesus has been talking about this whole time that she's been drawing from is not necessarily the water in the well of Jacob. She's been drawing from a whole different well. The well of a love 
from another man. And I want to say this, the second reason why we can't get no satisfaction is because we're drawing from the wrong wells. We're going to all the other wells of the world, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find that, that, that peace, that fulfillment that all these other wells try to satisfy us with, and they never do. And I want to say this to America right here, American Christians and American people. I believe that, that all the things that we seek in this world, in this life, in this culture, in Western civilization, it all comes down to three basic wells. We're all drawing from one of these three wells to find that elusive satisfaction. And the first one is this, the well of sex and relationships. And these are very, very big time wells in our culture. This is the well that says, I need someone in my life to make me happy. This is the little girl who says, I, I know that when I get married, I'll finally feel complete. Why? Because we sat that little girl in front of a television at two years old, and we popped in Disney tapes to make her comfortable, and she's been indoctrinated her whole life to believe that someday her prince will come. <laughs> And she's fed up with waiting on seven little tiny dwarfs. And she's mad about it. And she's wondering when her prince is going to wake up, change from a frog to a man, slay the dragon, who also happens to be his mother. So there's some whole Freudian stuff going on over there. Slay his mother, who's also a dragon, and come and rescue her from the tower and make her life complete so that she can live happily, what? Ever after. So this poor girl has been indoctrinated to believe that's what's going to make me happy. When I find my man, I'm going to be happy. When I get my husband, Prince Charming is out there. And all he needs to do is get his act together and come find me and I'll be satisfied. And little girls are finding out as they grow up, they're drinking sand. And then there's men who have been indoctrinated in this culture to believe that sex is the ultimate reality. And we've been indoctrinated because we watch television and we see the bikini-clad babes on the beer commercials and we're taught that that is the high life, that is real life, that's gonna make me happy. And so we watch our television shows with the guy who's the hero, the, the private eye or the detective, and he goes out and in 60 minutes, in 60 minutes, he finds the criminal, he finds the body, he solves the puzzle, he sleeps with the babe, and, everybody, and everybody's happy. So a man is indoctrinated to believe that, that is my thing, that's what I need. I need uh, sexual conquest in my life, and then I'll be happy, and then I'll be satisfied. And what that man eventually finds out is that he is drinking sand. And the second well that we drink from to find fulfillment the well of pleasure and possessions. And oh boy, we love this one. I need stuff to make me happy. I need that next thing, that next gadget, that next home, that next car. And, and we run around like little well-trained lab rats searching for that next big hunk of cheese. And I'll tell you something, this is my big deal because Apple has me wrapped around their little finger. And, and, and I am. I'm a big hypocrite here, so I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I mean, I love the glow of my iPhone. The soft, warm glow on my face is like the morning kiss of the sun. 
and my iPad, and I love it. I, and, and, and here's the frustrating thing about Apple. They know, they do this to me every time. No sooner do I get the next thing that they start talking about the next thing that's coming out of the thing that I just paid a lot of money for. And it's like, hey, I got the three. Yeah, but I got the four, I got the five, I got the six. It's a constant chasing lab rats all through the maze trying to find that hunk of cheese. It's amazing how they constantly give you new options with every upgrade. Don't you notice how as soon as the upgrade comes out, yours looks worthless? Right? Well, I can, all I can do is, you know, call people in this one. Well, I can call and take pictures. Well, I can call, take pictures, take videos. Yeah, well, I can call, take pictures, and teleport from here to San Diego. How about that? I got the teleport app right here, baby. Boom, gone. It's amazing that we chase the chasing, 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 and they're always coming out with the next thing. So I find out that my neighbor Joe has got an HDTV. So I go and get an HDTV, but I didn't realize that the, the HDTV that Joe has is 1080p HDTV. And I'm sitting there watching the game on my puny, ridiculous 720p HDTV. How dare Joe? flaunt his 1080p TV in front of my face and I have to sit there and suffer with my 720p HDTV. I know it's 75 inches wide, but I need my 1080p, so that's not gonna stop me that I don't have any more money. I'll just take my credit card and I'll go and I'll swipe, swipe, and I'll get me a 1080p HDTV. Only to find out that Nick, my other next door neighbor, has a 3D 1080p HDTV. And his kids are, are walking around like they live in Disneyland and my kids are kicking and screaming because I don't have 3D technology in my house. So I gotta go and get that. All the while real, trying to find that next elusive thing to make me happy. And I'm drinking sand. And the third well. The third well is the well of success and achievement. And this is the well that a lot of people will sacrifice family for. They'll sacrifice their relatives, their friends for to get that promotion, to become special, to become higher up in the elusive ladder of power. And all the while chasing down that pat on the back, that good job, man, that, that well done, sir. I need other people to think that I'm important. I need other people to think that I've achieved. I, I need my degrees on the wall. I need people to see my schooling, the things that I've achieved in my life. My, I keep my trophy from Soapbox Derby 1973 on my front mantle in my house. That's how pathetic I am. It's all about achievement. And it's funny about achievement, that pat on the back that we seek. It's amazing how fast the person who pats us on the back one day will stab us in the back the next. And we're drinking sand because we're drawing from the wrong well. In 2005, Tom Brady was interviewed on 60 Minutes. Three championships, a whole bunch of accolades, a whole bunch of success, and Tom was his typically politically correct, cleft chin, cool haircut dude, until he said this astounding statement. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's gotta be more than this. I mean, this isn't it. This, this can't be all it's cracked up to be. 
And the interviewer replied, he was puzzled, and he said, well, what is it, Tom? What's the answer? He said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. If you can't take it from me, that the well of money and possessions and pleasures and, sa- and relationships and success and achievement are not going to satisfy you, please, please take it from somebody in our region who we herald as a hero and who has all of it already and still stands and says, I still am not satisfied. I can't get no satisfaction. Second reason why we can't is because we're drawn from the wrong wells. And the third reason, we have to get back into the, into the scripture here. It says that um, Jesus tells his five-time divorce, say, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. You realize that, don't you? You've been through man after man after man, still, still unsatisfied. She said, and this is, the, this is the funny statement now, Jesus has just told her her whole life story after just meeting him, and you really got to read the scriptures with a bit of humor in your heart because look at the next line. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> of course he is. He just told you everything about you. And then she gets into this whole thing. She says, well, tell me, why is it that you Jews worship in Jerusalem when we Samaritans believe that, you know, Mount Gerizim, that's where we should worship? And I, and I love how she changes the subject. Because what I, what I find with many people is this, as soon as Jesus comes too close, they love to change the subject. I have people sitting here. You're flying real close to Jesus. But you got all kinds of questions. You got all kinds of issues, and you want to meet with me, and you want to talk to me, and you want to settle it all out. Let me tell you something. The questions may never go away. The questions may never go away. She's got questions. Well, what about Jerusalem? What about Samaria? What about this? What about that? It's a common debate today. Well, why are there so many denominations? And why was I brought up Catholic like this and I was sprinkled? Aren't I good? And and why do you dunk people? And what's up with that? And why do priests not marry but pastors marry? And what what is this and what is that? Why are there so many churches? And I had this church in my background. I had that church in my background. What's the deal with all this stuff? That's basically what she's doing with Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. It is classic. He says, listen, believe me, dear woman, Believe me, a time is coming and has now come when you will not worship the Father in Mount Gerizim. You will not worship the Father in Jerusalem. You worship very little about what you know, but we Jews worship what we do know for salvation comes from the Jews. But a time is coming when the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. For that is the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. Jesus basically tells her, It's really about two things. The truth of God and that God is spirit and you've got to open your heart to all that he is. You you gotta let the the questions dissipate. You you have to stop worrying about every little detail because you can't handle that anyway. And all that really is is a big old distraction to keep you from what God wants to give you. The truth, what's the truth? The truth that you are a sinner and God loves you anyway and sent his son to die for you on a cross so that you could live with him for eternity. And that is life found in the truth of Jesus. And the spirit. The spirit. God is spirit. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen. Listen, lady. All the stuff about 
Mount Gerizim and Jerusalem and all the stuff about Jews and Samaritans, that's all going to fade away because God is much bigger than your debates and your distinctives and your denomination and your church and your upbringing. God is bigger than all that. And what you really need to do is just open your heart to God. Just open your heart to God and let him in. She says, verse 25, again, very funny statement. She says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus is like, um, that just happened. <laughs> I am the Messiah. The Bible says his disciples come back, they've got food for Jesus, and he says, no, I don't, I don't need food. I'm satisfied. They say, well, where'd you get the food? He says, here's my food. Knowing God's will and doing it is all the food that I need. Listen to me. You're drawing water from the wrong well. And what you really need to do is know the will of God for your life and do it. That's it. And nothing on this earth will satisfy you like that. The Bible says that at that moment, the woman leaves her water jar. Verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I want you to see two things in this passage. Number one, she left her water jar at the well. The thing that she was holding on to, she let it go. The third reason why you can't get no satisfaction is because you can't get no satisfaction until you fully surrender to Jesus Christ. You gotta leave your water jar at the well. You gotta put that outside of your mind. You gotta stop holding on to relationships that are no good for you. You gotta stop seeking the pleasures of this present evil world. You gotta set your eyes on Jesus Christ and know that he is the life, he is the way, he is the truth, and nothing outside of him matters I want to say this listen listen it's not it's not that relationships and sex and pleasures and possessions and money and that's that's not bad those are all amoral things sex is a very good thing in a marriage with a man and a woman that's a very good thing relationships are a blessing possessions yes God wants to bless you but here's what happens to too many of us we make secondary things the first thing and we come up empty and isn't it time to fully surrender to Jesus isn't it time to fully give your heart to him. This woman has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And notice the second thing is she runs back to the village to tell everybody about him. This is the same woman who just a few verses earlier wanted to hide from everybody. Now she can't stop telling anybody who will listen. That's the power of an encounter that leads to life change found only in Jesus Christ. Look at how she doesn't care anymore what people think about her. She was coming to that well at 12 noon because she was scared of what people would say. Now she doesn't care. And I thought about this. Wouldn't it be like just 
wouldn't it be really, really, really awesome for your life if, if you didn't care at all what people thought about you? Like, would, wouldn't that be just like totally freedom? I can do exactly as God tells me to do, and I don't give a rip what anybody says because I know that I'm accepted in God. And I know that the Holy Spirit is in me. And even if you don't agree with me, I'm okay with that because I'm doing what God has told me to do. My food comes from doing the will of the one who sent me. And I'm completed. And I'm satisfied in him. You can't get no satisfaction because you don't know Jesus and you don't know the Holy Spirit. You're drawing from the wrong will. And you have yet to surrender fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me?